Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the award-winning Texas history podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise, and I want to thank you today for tuning in for some Texas history. I also want to thank you for your patience. We had a little break there in the production schedule due to the November 3rd election. As uh, longtime listeners of this podcast know, I sit as a justice on the 14th Court of Appeals of 10 counties in southeast Texas. And I was on the ballot this year. So I'm happy to announce that I was successful in my re-election. It was very close. The Courts of Appeals districts in this area are very, very close. And uh, I I did win the race, however. I won by more than uh, the other candidates that won. And um, I'm very grateful for that, very grateful for all the support. I'm especially grateful. I try to keep the politics off this podcast because this is about history and uh, any politics we do here are going to relate to elections other than mine. But I did hear from a ton of listeners during the election season uh, with expressions of support and uh, whether the, whether or not they were in the district. And that means a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, but we're past it. We were successful. And I am uh, not only grateful but very excited that we're going to get back and focused on a little more regular uh, podcast schedule. And... Uh, Hopefully crank the speaking schedule back up. If you, It doesn't really matter where you are in Texas. If you'd like uh, me to come visit your group and talk about Texas history, I always love to do that. So hit me up at host at wiseabouttexas.com. All right, well, we had another election going on in the United States uh, that you may have heard about during this election season. And there have been various reactions to Whatever the results may turn out to be, we're recording and releasing this episode on November 23rd, uh, so the electors have yet to meet for the 2020 election. But uh, lots of discussion of, uh, you hear a lot of people read about on social media, if so-and-so wins, I'm moving, if so-and-so wins, we should secede, and et cetera. And it reminded me of a story of an area of Texas uh, that did, in fact, purport to leave uh, the state and the nation a couple of different times. So I wanted to run that story by you today. It is the story of the free state of Van Zant. So we're going to go back to the Civil War era and get wise about Texas. I want to start with uh, the, today's discussion is going to be about Van Zant County. And so I thought I would start by telling you uh, about the person for whom Van Zant County was named. And that gentleman was Isaac Van Zant. He was born in 1813, and he's from Tennessee. He was born in Franklin County, Tennessee. Uh, his father, his grandfather, uh, both his grandfathers actually fought in the Revolutionary War. His maternal grandfather, a guy named Samuel Isaac, which is where his first name came from, fought with uh, Francis Marion, the famous Swamp Fox, in North Carolina. He was actually from South Carolina. Um, Van Zant was educated, but only in the country schools of his youth. He was not the healthiest child, so that interfered with his schoolwork. Uh, but he was a big reader, and so he read a lot of the classics and no doubt advanced his education that way. He got married when he was 20 and interestingly married a lady named Frances Lipscomb, she was a cousin of another Lipscomb that's appeared in this podcast a couple of times, Abner Lipscomb. Abner Lipscomb was the justice on the Alabama Court of Appeals who mentored Thomas Jefferson Chambers 
And you can hear more about that in episode 16. Abner Lipscomb then came to Texas and became a justice on the Texas Supreme Court and actually then ruled against Chambers and sanctioned him severely. So uh, Isaac Van Zant became part of that Lipscomb family. His family was uh, ran stores, and so he thought he would run a store. He moved to Mississippi to run a store. He opened the store, but the Depression of 1837 kind of took that business down. So he moved to Texas in 1839, and he moved to Harrison County in northeast Texas. He had become a licensed lawyer in Mississippi, uh, and he got his Texas law license in 1840. He was also a candidate the House of Representatives for the Republic. He was elected twice as a representative from Harrison County. He also managed to get land donated to create a new county seat in Harrison County, and Van Zant arranged for that town to be named after Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, John Marshall, one of the great Chief Justices. Uh, so he sort of founded the town of Marshall. In 1842, Sam Houston appointed him to charge the affairs for the United States, I'm sorry, to the United States, from the Republic of Texas. Uh, So he went to Washington, D.C. and spent 1842 and 43 in Washington, D.C., working on uh, what would eventually become the joint resolution that admitted the United States to the Union. He was a member of the Constitutional Convention that uh, drafted the state constitution after statehood. And he became a candidate for governor, but unfortunately, while campaigning in Houston, he contracted yellow fever, as so many did during those times, and died in Houston. In 1848, the legislature created two counties uh, uh, carved out of Harrison County. One was Kaufman County, and the other was named after Isaac Van Zant and became Van Zant County. But it's long been referred to as the free state of Van Zant. So I want to talk about the various accounts of how Van Zant County came to be referred to as the free state of Van Zant. One of the stories goes that Van Zant County was considered free territory before the Civil War. In other words, there weren't many or perhaps any slaveholders in the county. And that once secession occurred, a lot of slave owners tried to send their slaves to an area where they could be protected from confiscation by the Union. And that Texas was one of those places. And that um, one of the slave drivers came to Texas looking for a place to stash some slaves. And he came to Jefferson where he landed and got on a horse and rode on to Canton, which is in Van Zandt County, where he was challenged by some townspeople as to whether he was going to bring slaves into that area. And the slave driver said, no, I'd rather take them to a free state than this area, even though that area was in, uh, was not in a free state. The newspaper editor reportedly commented, quote, Van Zandt County had been free territory since it was created, and now it's been admitted as a free state, close quote. No word of whatever became of that slave driver. There's another story, though, that about the free state of Van Zant that's a little, a little drier. Uh, this story says that when Van Zant County was carved out of Henderson County, that Henderson County was deep in debt. 
but that Van Zandt County was created without any responsibility for any portion of that debt. And so was that's how it came to be uh, termed free territory because there weren't any taxes designed to pay that debt or any responsibility for that debt. Well, that may or may not be how it started, but that's not nearly as exciting a story. The most exciting story, though, takes us back to the Civil War time again, or more accurately, the time right after the Civil War, Reconstruction. The year was 1867, and supposedly in 1867, after Texas had been admitted back into the Union, the citizens of Van Zant County held a convention. And at this convention, they decided that their county would be a free and independent state. And that means free and independent of the U.S., free and independent of the former Confederacy, and free and independent of the state of Texas. So when they, they took their freedom fairly seriously, well, Philip Sheridan was the commanding general for the United States forces at New Orleans, and he heard about this convention and, of course, uh, thought it a rebellion. So he decided he would send his cavalry to Van Zant County and quash this rebellion or whatever he thought it might be. Well, you can see the problem immediately if you've done any traveling in northeast Texas. A cavalry is not going to do much good in the Piney Woods. So the horsemen show up uh, in Van Zant County and the boys of the county, and, and you can just imagine this happening, decided to uh, go to the woods, which uh, was their home, and take pot shots uh, on these Yankee cavalrymen who had no idea what they were getting into. Well, as they started shooting through the woods, uh, the Yankee soldiers uh, took advantage of the better part of valor and sort of got out of the way and disappeared a little bit, at which point the uh, people of Van Zant County assembled at Canton, which was the capital of their free state, and proceeded to engage in an enormous celebration, uh, celebrating their uh, defeat of not only the Union troops but the state of Texas by their Declaration of Freedom. Uh, the problem was the celebration was so intense and excessive uh, that they imbibed a little more than a an army under attack should imbibe and uh, Sheridan managed to ride in from every direction to the town square and uh, capture what amounted to the entire drunken army of the free state of Van Zant. Uh, the federal soldiers then built a makeshift prison right there by uh, taking large logs and, and building kind of a makeshift fence around a couple of acres somewhere near Canton. We don't know exactly where. Uh, if any listeners do know exactly where, please let me know. Um, they took all the weapons and, and put, the, put the boys in this prison. They put uh, ankle cuffs on everybody and uh, proceeded to keep them there. Guards were put up. But what they didn't do was thoroughly search all the prisoners. And one of the prisoners, a man named Allen, former Confederate soldier, by the way, had a knife in his boot, and the Federal soldiers did not discover him. So he took the knife out and went to work on the ankle cuffs that he was wearing and managed to file them down with this knife somehow uh, to the point where he could get them off. So that was step one. Step two came straight from God because it started raining. 
And as the ground got wetter and wetter, uh, the posts that were stuck in the ground became less and less stable. Uh, the prisoners had been so well behaved up to this time that there was only one guard left guarding them. So the prisoners were able to throw themselves up against these posts enough times that they uh, made some space where they could escape. So a bunch of them ran west toward Waco and a bunch of them ran north toward Indian Territory, now Oklahoma. A couple of them stayed, including a doctor who uh, actually ended up setting up a medical practice in Oklahoma, never did come back to Canton. So the folks that escaped sort of waited out Sheridan until they decided, uh, Sheridan decided that everything was fine and and left, and uh, they kind of filtered back to Van Zandt County. And the free state of Van Zandt was no more. But if you give it some thought and you've traveled around East Texas, you know that the folks up there are uh, very sincere, as all good Texans are, about their freedom and their rights. So you can very easily see the story playing out uh, during these Civil War times of the three tales that are told about how it came to be called the free state of Van Zandt. The third one certainly makes the most sense to me and is certainly the most fun to think about. Oh, one other little tidbit about our friend Isaac Van Zandt. Those of you who love Texas music are no doubt familiar with Isaac Van Zandt's great-great-grandson, Towns Van Zandt, a free spirit in his own right, one of the greatest songwriters we've ever produced, and a worthy heir to the free state of Van Zandt. Now we come to the part of the show called Getting There, where I tell you how to see some of the places I mentioned in the episode. The first mention I'll give you is Isaac Van Zandt's grave. Isaac Van Zandt is buried in Greenwood Cemetery, which is located in Marshall, Texas. Then west of there, between Longview and Dallas, you'll find Van Zandt County and its county seat of Canton. And of course, Canton is so well known for the Canton trade days. Now, I did a little Googling, and uh, even though we're in these government lockdowns, uh, the world's largest flea market, First Monday in Canton, Texas, according to the website, which is firstmondaycanton.com, is scheduled to occur in Dece- on December 3rd through December 6th. And again, this episode, I know we're supposed to not supposed to timestamp it, but I am recording and releasing this in November 2020. And so I don't uh, mind saying there might be a Canton first Monday on December 3rd through December 6th. So all you get your Christmas shopping done at the trade days. I've been there before, and uh, it truly is the world's largest flea market. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Wise About Texas. It's good to be back. I've got some good interviews scheduled. We're going to do some uh, a variety of things. And, of course, we're in the uh, anniversary period of the Texas Revolution, and I have not forgotten that. So I hope everybody, uh, this episode's being released the week of Thanksgiving. I hope everybody listening to this uh, right when it comes out has a very happy Thanksgiving with friends and family and a number you decide. Look for us uh, on Facebook at Wise About Texas and Twitter and Instagram at Wise About Texas. Thanks again for listening. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.